future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Hey everybody, everybody, welcome, welcome. Yes, it is Monday, December 13th, 2021. I cannot believe that we are almost at the end of 2021. Incredible. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out to Coop Live. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. At Out to Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards from across the country. And on Fridays, Sean Kitchen and I break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And check out, of course, the Wednesday show with Cyril Michaleko. Cyril is a progressive columnist from the Bucks County Courier-Times, The Intelligencer. And he joins me every once about every other week, although we've been having a tough time with our schedule late, end of the semester, all that fun stuff. But he joins me to break down Bucks County, Pennsylvania, international politics. You can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And patrons, yes, patrons, new feature here at Out the Coop. Uh, patrons also get exclusive patron-only content on Patreon. You can support the show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Just head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You can also help out the show right now by heading on over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live and share it with your friends. You're sitting there, you're listening to this intro, hit that share button. Let everybody know that we are live right now. You can hop on our Discord server to continue the conversation um, during and after and all week long. And for more PA Progressive Talk, tune into the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, or Facebook, and subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to head on over to ricksmithshow.com and check out all his latest. I mean, Rick's show has taken off. Um, like I said, he's now got he's now on a WBAI in New York, KPFK in uh, Los Angeles. He's on Chicago and Minneapolis. And everywhere between Free Speech TV Saturday show. Um, seriously, just head on over to ricksmithshow.com check out all the latest. And if you haven't already, I don't know which rock you're living under, but you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. You make sure you follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. Attention gamers, look, holidays are here, folks. You got a gift to buy? Well, you know, you got a gamer in the family? Well, head on over to the Game Inn. That's Game Inn with two N's. The Game Inn is a Quaker Town-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything for Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, loads of collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops. And look, you know, it's school time, so you know what that means. Yep, kids get discounts with every A on their report card. <clears throat> Check them out on their Facebook page and follow them on Twitter at, at the Game Inn. <clears throat> that's at the Game Inn with two N's. Got a question about a game, look for something hard to find, shoot him an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. And a special shout out, as always, goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at song, at song of Day Man with two N's. That's at song of Day Man on Twitter. 
Well, welcome everybody to uh, this week's Out to Coop Live. Um, tonight on Out to Coop Live, I welcome Diana Lagerman to the show. Diana is a teacher, writer, and former Central Bucks School Board candidate. We'll be talking about the ongoing political and cultural battles that have erupted in the Central Bucks School District and districts across Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and look, literally the nation. Last month's New York Times podcast on The Daily ran a two-part story on the increasing tensions in the Central Bucks School District. And following that podcast, Diana's article, Central Bucks is Not Okay, filled in some of the holes and context in The Times' story. Her personal and critical account of what happened in Central Bucks should be required reading for all of us. Diana Lagerman is a teacher, writer, and former Central Buck School. I said this already. She lives in Warwick, PA, with her husband and her two children. She's the recipient of the Anne Frank Teaching Award and was honored at the SAFA. That's the Spirit of Anne Frank Award, I think, gala in 2018. Her work has been published in The Week, Smear Cornish, The Independent Women's Health, and other online, several other online and print publications. You know, I, I was looking at uh, when uh, when she received that award at the uh, Spirit of Anne Frank Awards, and uh, she wrote about her experience there um, on Medium in 2018. And I think you get a good sense about why we kind of want her on the show here tonight. She concluded in this way, quote, My grandmother grew up surrounded by war and death and dictatorship. My parents fled from anti-Semitism. At 11, year old, at 11 years old, I came to the United States as a Jewish refugee. I live my life every day trying to create a better world for my children and as a teacher for the children of others. In our world today, when basic human rights are once again threatened, I refuse to fall short of teaching the lessons I know my students must learn if they are to grow up in a world my grandmother could only dream of. In our world today, in a world that is eerily Orwellian, I know I must be a voice of progress, change, and protest. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I really say, I have to say, um, I, people really, uh, there's a link in the show notes, um, head on over to her, um, her medium writing. Um, you know, not only do, um, is your writing, I think, important, which is one which we're going to talk about, you know, Central Bucks is not okay. Um, but I just, I, I, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, that story you told about the Anne Frank, you know, um, the, the, the Spirit of Anne Frank Awards, um, was so moving and gave such context with, you know, why I think so many people are doing the kind of work that you're doing. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you so much. I love writing. It's my, one of my passions. Well, there you have, yeah, it seems like you, I mean, I, I seriously, I'm like looking at some of the stuff you did. I don't know how I have the energy. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like whatever. Um, but so, so part of the background here too, as well, we just had, uh, we've been talking about what's been going on in Bucks County and the school board elections um, pretty frequently on this show. We've had folks from, folks on the show from the Palisades School District, from um, Penridge. We've been talking about what's happening in Central Bucks. Cyril Michaleko has been on the show quite a bit and he's uh, been followed up with what's, you know, the, the, you know, it seems like a blow by blow every single day um, seemed to be like a new crisis around the way. And you were kind of, in the middle of all this, um, and you were running for school board in Central Bucks. So, b before we kind of get to your article, New York Times stuff, and all that, maybe you can kind of set the stage for us a little bit. Give us a little sense of kind of what brought you to that point where you're deciding that you're going to run for school board, um, and what was the context of what's happening in, in Central Bucks at that point? Well, I I have been toying with the idea of running for school board for quite some time. And I've always said to my husband, I said, well, I guess it, well, if it wasn't like a political thing, I would have done it a long time ago because I never thought I could be a, like an actual candidate for, mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. a local office. 
Um, and so I kind of put that idea out of my head. But then when I kept on listening to the school board meetings and realized that this is much more now than just like your typical school boards where they're just deciding, you know, whatever's going on in the curriculum in the classroom. And I noticed these like hints of like personal beliefs and political agendas. I said, well, we can't have that on in a school. Like, you know, I don't want politics affecting my children, especially not those politics. Um, so I wasn't recruited by anyone. I wasn't, um, you know, I just followed these Facebook groups and they said, hey, we need someone for this region. And I said, oh, I live in this region. I guess this is the time. Having no idea. <laughs> Having no idea what I was getting myself into. But since I've kind of always wanted to, there was an opening. I, you know, did it. Yeah, it seems, On right, impulse, it seems, basically. Right. It seems like sometimes history chooses us, right? I mean, uh-huh. exactly. <laughs> instead of the other way around. Exactly. Well, so you said, okay, see what was happening in the school board. So when, I mean, up until, I mean, so what, what time? What, what's the timeline we're talking about? When did you start to notice to seeing the shift of what was happening in Central Bucks? I think it was the summer of 2020 Mm -hmm. I started noticing the shift and I actually had gotten off Facebook at that time after all of the George Floyd protests. I just didn't didn't like what I was seeing from people Mm -hmm. that I knew. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to watch this. Um, So I left Facebook and then a couple of my friends said, you really have to come back and look at these groups of these parents. They're like taking over the school board. So it was summer 2020 when I really started listening to every school board meeting, well, every general school board meeting, uh, none of the committee meetings, and started noticing this like trend of anti-science, like this whole rhetoric that was going on nationally, it was seeping into the school board. And um, then they started talking about, then like in January of 2020, I think, or 2021, sorry, they started talking about curriculum and, you know, culturally responsive curriculum from what I remember and that was that's my forte like I'm I'm a teacher I care very deeply about curriculum so then I I really started paying attention and I started to get really concerned that they were trying to get rid of you know certain books or any any information about equity and um, diversity so that's when I really started to get nervous and so were, were things contentious on the school board before then um, or did this seem to be a, a dramatic shift? Well, I couldn't tell you <laughs> mm-hmm. because I only started, I'm being honest, I only started paying mm-hmm. attention that summer, 2020. And I think that's true for many folks um, in terms of school boards. I mean, most people know that the school boards exist, but no one really knows what they do. And we ran into that problem when we were running. Right. Um, and so I don't know if it was contentious before. From what I understand, Speaking to school board members, former and current, it was never like this before. That's the sense. The people that I've talked to at Central Bucks, and this was actually true in a lot of the school districts in Bucks County, um, where they said, you know, beforehand, it was, you know, the people that ran for school board, um, if you wanted information about who those candidates were, it was really hard to find out, right? It, you know, not very many people turned out for elections. And, you know, sometimes there'd be issues that would come up in school that would cause some, you know, consternation or whatever, you know, in the deliberations, but it wasn't like what we've just seen. I mean, it wasn't this highly politicized, you know, conspiracy filled, um, 
I don't know, venue that, you know, like I think you said, mirrored these national politics. Um, I, I should say, too, as well, Teresa Brown just chimed in and said, Diana is an awesome and caring person. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> I told her I would pass that on. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I know, and like I said, we were talking about before the show is I live in the Penridge School District. And, um, you know, the previous round of election before this one in 2020, we had already gone through um, some pretty contentious stuff. Um, Joan Cullen had, uh, you know, who's been the, the, the head or the vice head or the shadow head of the school board for a while now. Um, said some pretty horrendous things about students um, after the protest, you know, in support of, um, you know, gun safety. And um, uh, and I remember the, the was it 20 some odd kids who were arrested at Penridge um, for sitting and walking out of school in support of, um, you know, gun safety laws and stuff. She said, you know, call them like communist and Marxist and all this kind of stuff. You know, these are kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, exercising that. So, you know. It was clear to me that previous cycle that there was an issue that was coming on. But this is a whole different level, it seems to me. And what we saw in Central Bucks, I think, really kind of underscored it. And I think a lot of people had the sense of, you know, hey, Central Bucks is like, you know, it's a fairly well-off school district. You know, it's it's the kind of place that that teachers would love to go to. Um, and students were, you know, coming out of there doing great, right? Sports teams are doing great and would not expect that Central Bucks would be a place that would become a focus of a kind of like a national news story in the New York Times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think Central Bucks, you know, what's happening here obviously is happening nationwide, but I think it happens often in districts like Central Bucks in primarily affluent, primarily white districts where people haven't been paying attention to what's going on in their schools and in the school boards because typically parents just trust that you know you pick a good school district then you take your kids there and everything is well so we trust the school district and the school board directors because we elect them and we never i think um never really thought about the fact that politics can seep into the every level of the nook and cranny of our local you know, local government, including school boards. And I think this was a perfect opportunity for that astroturfing that happened, you know, that all of these suburban, mainly white school districts are now dealing with this, the situation. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Calling it astroturfing, right? Because I think that there, there's a lot of narratives that this stuff is like, you know, just spontaneously showing up at school boards and, you know, it didn't take too much digging, especially here, um, to, just to see that it was anything but that. So that kind of brings us to, like, this recent New York Times um, podcast that, um, you know, gave us a version of the story of what was happening in Central Bucks and elsewhere as kind of like the spontaneous thing, right? So for folks who don't know, the New York Times has this podcast called The Daily. Um, it is one of the world's most popular podcasts. I mean, it's, like, hugely listened to. And, you know, to their credit, I would say, um, they paid attention to, um, you know, the fact. And again, it's because there's connections between Bucks County and what happens in New York and this, you know, um, uh, and this journalist crew. But so they paid attention to it. Right. And spent some time and actually sent somebody out here to talk to people, which is more so than we saw from a lot of the other national uh, national media. Um, But um, it was uh, this two part series. The first part was. 
saying what happened. And it seemed to be a story about this organic rise of just some parents who were concerned about stuff. And then it, it got more contentious. And then a part two, which was like, hey, let's go meet this angry dad who seemed to kind of wanted to get involved in politics. Um, and I came away from listening to that absolutely enraged that they were going to do a both siderism on this, that they were going to completely ignore the, the context of what had happened in the previous year and pretend that this is some sort of, you know, magical, like spontaneous uprising. Right. So let's start from there. Right. I mean, in the afternoon, this is what prompted you to write that piece. Right. You know, right. the central bucks is not OK. So take us into like listening to that podcast yep. and, and like. <laughs> your decision to write this piece um, in in kind of in response, but it felt like more than a response. It felt like a, a telling of what actually went down. Oh, um, so I, you know, I listen to the daily every day on the on the way, my way to work. I actually had no idea this podcast was coming out. I Which mean, I remarkable. heard that people were talking to the New York Times, but I for some reason thought it was just going to be like an article. Um, and so the, the one of the mornings, you know, on my way to work, someone texted me and said, hey, you know, uh, when you're going to listen, you're going to be surprised. And so I listened to the first one and it wasn't, you know, it didn't bother me as much as the second one, really. And then when I listened to the second one, um, I thought the first one was good in turn. Well, when I listened to the second one, as I was driving to work, I was yelling at my, <laughs> at my radio, like every single thing that Paul Martino said. I would just yell back because I just, there was so much arrogance and so much um, gaslighting in in that podcast. And I know that um, Campbell, he did a really good job. He really tried to get Martino to say like what his mission was and everything, but like we were living it here. And right. I was very personally affected by Martino's, you know, money in the campaign and his smears against me. So as I was listening to it, from my point of view, I was really angry um, because I don't think that it was a fair interpretation or a fair story about what happened here in Central Bucks. And what happened here in Central Bucks is not just an angry dad randomly, coincidentally, um, just said, oh, you know, I, I want to help. Here are five, here's $500,000 to help you. Like, no, he was, it was on purpose. It was strategic. You know, I saw him recruiting people last last August in 2020, I mean. So it wasn't just like he randomly got upset and decided to throw some money at this because he had it. He had a political consultant. You can see from all the campaign uh, reports, campaign finance reports that where the money went. And and it went to actual political strategists and, you know, consultants and so I just thought it was so funny that he paints himself to be this dad who's angry. Meanwhile, our campaign really was just a handful of moms and dads <laughs> who were right. fundraising and, and, you know, actually starting a grassroots campaign. And that's what made me angry, I think. And that's why I ended up writing that article, because I just wanted people, if even if 10 people read it, I just wanted them to know that this isn't the whole story. This is no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And so let's be clear. So for anybody who does not know, like Paul Martino here that we're talking about, I mean, Paul Martino is basically a venture capitalist, right? Um, he's uh, he's, you know, got millions of dollars. Right. And he basically decided that he was going to personally get involved in these campaigns around the kind of reopen PA, which kind of the reopen PA, of course, is, you know, 
it's code for everything at this point, right? Yeah. It was code for, you know, was this, the anti-masking wars became critical race theory and all this. And he, like exactly as you said, was just dumping funds into um, school boards. I mean, my school district, they, they, they dropped $10,000. He dropped $10,000 at a drop of a hat, which basically matched all the fundraising um, of the of all the other candidates um, that were involved. And so, but in your school district, it seemed that because he was personally involved and was on the ground there, that it got particularly nasty. And you could see this, you know, and this is a guy who went on the podcast and basically said, hey, I just started this because I wanted to help make sure that we kept our kids in school. And then lo and behold, there suddenly there were parents that were concerned about this too as well. And so I thought I'd help them out. And now... I love what he says at the end of it. He says, now I've got this asset to figure out what I'm going to do with it, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is what he was doing all along. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to us a little bit about, like, what it was, like, how that money began to seep into the campaign um, when you saw these kind of attacks coming your way? Well, at first, um, we didn't really know much about who Paul Martino was until I would probably say until my um, the smear that he paid for. And so, you know, this website comes out. Um, he got someone to go through, you know, years of my tweets and makes a website about me. And, um, you know, I'm a writer. So a lot of my everything was very open and public and I used to get paid for it. So, you know, I had a brand. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. so he makes this website and I didn't know who made it. And then it says for paid for by Bucks Families for Leadership. And when we start digging, we realized that, you know, he owns that is his pack. Um, and so then we start researching and figuring out who Paul Martino really is. And we realize he is, you know, dumping money into all of our opponents campaigns. And it's funny because for my opponent, he actually didn't dump money directly into his pack, but because he, he paid for all of the smears against me, I guess that was his contribution to my opponent's campaign. So that's how we found out really about who he was, what he's like, what he was doing. And of course, once you know who he is, that leads you down a rabbit hole of, oh, okay, he's not just like some random dad in the district. Um, but yeah, he went after me pretty hard. And I always thought that was really interesting because I didn't understand exactly why he chose me. But, you know, I just had assumed that, A, I was an easy target because all my tweets were very public. And B, my opponent had no platform whatsoever. So it was easier to just take me down a notch rather than build up his, um, you know, his candidate, which is what I told them straight straight up. I said, you know, you could have just used all that money to help your candidate, but instead you chose to smear a public school teacher. So that's, I guess yeah, that's how what about angry that? dads do, Kevin. <laughs> well, angry white dads, especially, yeah. right? With lots and lots of money and yeah. too much time on their hands, apparently. Yeah, it's just, it's sad to me, honestly. Like, it's just, it seems small and it seems sad to me that somebody would do something like that. But Well, but, you know, I mean, in some ways, I mean, like, thank God you were who you were while he was putting this attack because I, I can imagine even so that must have been disorienting like all of a sudden like what where the hell did this come from why is this this web random website coming up with all my stuff on it right and they're attacking me I have no idea where this is coming from I mean that just got to be like disorienting and like what what is going on I'm, I'm in a school board race I know <laughs> like, it was really gross and you know what it came out I, I just had come back 
with my kids from celebrating their birthdays and then we went to Hershey Park and and I came home and it was all everywhere and uh and I I mean I was really upset obviously because it wasn't that my tweets weren't true everything that was there they were mine but the way they were placed together in the context that it was right like the idea was to create a story, a narrative about who I am, right? Um, right? And luckily, I have a lot of background in rhetoric and propaganda and all that, so I knew exactly what happened here. But the general public doesn't understand how propaganda works. So, you know, they're really, really upset and um, calling me all sorts of names. The things that I read about myself from the community members, like I had never uttered such words to anyone, you know, to their face or behind their backs. Um, even like the president or the vice president of my kids PTO was saying really awful things about me. Oh my God. I know it was awful, but you know what? It took me like a couple of days and then I just realized like they're threatened. Like why else would someone do something like that? They went after my job, Kevin. Like they called the charter offices. They called my bosses, like human resources. I had to have a conversation. Like it was disgusting of what they do to people. And I said, I, I literally just, I just, I want to help our children. Like I have no agenda of any kind. I have been a teacher forever. You know, all I want to do is help. Um, now, you know, they have an agenda if they go after someone like that, right? Like, exactly. like that's the thing. Like, did I, did I, do I have, diff do we have different politics? Of course, but like that doesn't matter in a school board or shouldn't in any, in any case, right? Well, and this seems to be the difficulty of, Folks like like I mean, with the exception of one person, everyone I spoke to and everyone um, that who was running that we had in the show, whatever it was, it was all women who were running. They were all running kind of with a similar kind of mentality. Right. It's like I've been doing this. I've been involved in education or I've been involved in the community or I've been involved in this school for all this time. And I feel that I can make a contribution to making the schools better. Right. And that that's where it started. Right. And to say, OK, I feel like I understand it. I've been around long enough. I have got some ideas. I've done some work on this and I think I can do a good job here. And so you're entering this race thinking you can do this. And then on the other hand, you've got a war machine, really, right. that is about a, like a, a full on assault on gaining power in the school board. Right. And that's it. That's right. It. I'm like you said, there was like your your opponent. I, I I it was it was pretty wild. I remember when I first came across your campaign, I started like say, well, who's she running against? Like, what the hell is going on here? Like, and like you could barely find anything. Right. Yeah. And anything that was there was like vanilla, kind of you know you could have picked it from from anybody's campaign. It right. was just some random stuff. And so it's like, okay, this is just a wholesale assault on you in order to make make sure that they gain power on the school board. Yeah, that's exactly what it was, which is also interesting because in my region specifically, it's all it's a Democrat has never won. So I already had an uphill battle here. Right. So, you know, I had like an 800 plus voter um, deficit. Right. So 800. 40, I think, or something like that, more Republicans are registered to vote here than Democrats. So I already had a pretty, you know, strong uphill battle. To, and, and then, you know, you add the smear to it, and that makes it even more difficult. So uh, not that I think the smear really helped much, because I still came in within like 200 and some votes, which is pretty amazing for an 800 totally. <laughs> deficit, um, which goes to show that if we work just, you know, a little smarter and harder next time, you never know what could happen.
Well, exactly. And I think that's that's really what's at stake when, you know, his money coming into the campaign. I mean, was basically saying we see, you know, more and more of in our areas trending more and more blue. Right. Especially as since so much of the Republican Party has gone off the rails. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, Bucks County used to be known as kind of like, OK, yeah, it was fairly kind of you have lots of Republicans, Republican controlled offices, but it was a fairly moderate kind of, you know, county so that you right. can actually I actually, you know, I went one of my daughter's um, when I my daughter played soccer for a while and she played, played on a travel team and stuff. And one of the um, the other girls on the team, um, her dad was worked in kind of Republican politics in Bucks County. And like he and I would, you know, we disagree on politics. Right. But you can have a reasonable conversation about stuff. Right. And right. kind of have an interesting exchange and share. And that was, in my mind, what the 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 reputation and let's say the Bucks County Republican Party has been. But of late, that has not happened. I mean, that's, you know, you're still still a shell of that old party there. But these 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 right wing operatives have really taken over. And as we've seen, you know, just the sheer numbers of of people that Bucks County sent to the insurrection on January 6th. Right. right? The busloads that were that were sent out that way when we had the county with the largest participation. Right. Um, kind of in the state mm-hmm. and the state with some of the largest participation. It seems like the game has changed. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really curious of, you know, now that we're kind of a few weeks out after the after this election, when you're thinking about going forward, I mean, whether I mean, not say you necessarily. Right. But maybe you. Um, but kind of moving forward as we're kind of thinking about, say, the next round of school boards, we got midterm elections that are coming up and stuff. What did you see happening kind of on the ground? You think that, yeah, we need to do more of this or, you know, definitely we're going to have to change our game and you have a sense about where things need to go from here, given your experience? Yeah, I mean, we learned a lot from this um, this campaign. First is that, you know, when we were you know first told not to talk about masking and then we're told not to talk about crt but the problem with that is that they were talking about that and we were just being quiet so they were building the narrative this whole time and while i was screaming like we really need to be talking about these things people were telling me who have way more experience in politics so i can't you know who am i people were telling me that like no you know don't discuss this and so we basically allowed them to build this narrative and towards the very end of the campaign, they pin CRT on us out of nowhere. And we're like, we never even, we, don't, we never even said it, right? We never even used the term. And that's it. Like they pinned it but on us. But you thought it, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know CRT existed until I started running this campaign. Totally. Like that's, that's, I can't tell you how many people said that. That's how funny yeah. this whole thing is, right? Like they did, and listen, I got to give them credit for it. They did such a good job instilling this CRT encompasses everything now. Anything you could think of is now CRT, right? So they really did. They did a great job with that, you know, and and a great job, I mean, by making people think that their white children are going to feel bad about themselves. That was the, you know, and I said to a friend who said that to me, I was like, I mean, you do realize that most of the teachers who teach here, especially are white, who have white children, like, why would they ever want any child to feel bad? And we're, we're teachers. Our goal is to make sure that no one feels bad about anything. But, you know, you say your kid's going to feel bad and that tugs at the heartstrings, that, like, pathos, the rhetoric, you know, and that's it. Parents will buy into that real quick. So anyway, so I think what we learned is that we can't let them set this false narrative, um, which they did, you know, and it, that's just the number one. 
do not allow them to build the narrative. Um, and what frustrated me the most is that the people that were running saw this happening, but the people above us who were supposed to be helping us refused to pay attention. And the national news refused to pay attention until the very end. And so while they were building it all up, the local level, national level Dems were not paying attention. I remember screaming into the void of Twitter, like, hello, is anyone going to help us? <laughs> like, You know, and so, you know, people got to pay attention to what's going on. You can't just like be so hyper focused on this one thing. So in terms I, look, of the future, I'm not yeah. planning on running again, even though people have told me like, you're just saying that now, <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, but I learned a lot and I would like to help others run. And, um, you know, we still have a really solid team that I'm not going to say too much about because I don't know who's mm -hmm. listening, <laughs> but we have a really solid team and we have really great ideas. And because of what we learned, we will be successful next time around. And I think we were really successful this time around. We got two people elected on our team, on our slate, two Democrats, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, we got a woman of color elected, so that yep. was incredible. In Chalfont, too, which is, you know, also a very um, more, like, right-leaning. Uh, I came pretty close. Like, all of us came really close. So it's not over, and it's actually just begun. And and it's unfortunate that it has it, it was so contentious and it was so ugly. Um, it was really unfortunate. School board should not have been like this. Our children were paying attention, you know, right. our teachers. I had teachers coming up to me and like begging me to win. I was like, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> like, okay, win. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, well, I'll win. I'll you know, win. Teachers, we had their support. Teachers, support yeah. staff, administrators. They wanted us because they knew what the other side represented. So, it's tough. It was. It was tough. Well, I can't tell you how good it is to hear you put it so plainly about some of the issues that you were facing in the campaign, because I think that um, we, like we've been railing on this for a while on our show. And we had even before then about this problem of the candidates, especially candidates that are like at school boards and local elections who are coming from the grass up or who, grassroots who are kind of coming from the community, do not have like just like you said, do not have a lot of experience kind of running political campaigns in this stuff, but have a, a good sense about what's happening in their communities. And then being told by, you know, whether it's county Dems or whether it's state or whatever it might be, no, we need to go in this other kind of direction. And, um, you know, and I think for this is my reading. I'm not going to ask you to go here with me. But, you know, the thing is, like, you know, I think that for a long time that that uh, Democrats in Bucks County got used to losing. Right. And this just being a, a Republican district, there's not much that you can do about it, that they um, kind of relied upon, say, polling data or consultants who said this is this is what wins campaigns, as opposed to actually um, building organizations from the ground up. And, you know, I had a, a few weeks back, I had Laura Putnam on the show and, you know, she's a, a professor of history out in um, University of Pittsburgh. And she like studies kind of local elections in Pennsylvania and kind of all this. And she put out this piece that I, I, I'm going to space the title right now. She wrote this article was basically it's going to take more than postcards or something like this. And she was, you know, making this case about the, the need to build strong organizations that are rooted in the relationships that we have and in the communities that we have from that ground up as opposed to the other way. And I kept on saying this to folks in or not kept on saying this, but I was sharing this with with folks in my uh, in, in my school districts in, in Penridge. You're saying, look, everything that you all did was right on the money. 
right? Except it's just the first time around, right? And so when I look at what just what you just said there and say, you know, that knowledge of saying, hey, those folks who are telling us that, hey, this is how you win a campaign, they don't necessarily know what the hell they're talking about. Um, and the fact that what I'm what I'm hoping for is that the people that, you know, that just like you said, the organizations that were built and the kind of slates that were built is that um, that we're going to start to see a connection between the folks that were working in Central Bucks together and Penridge and Palisades that we can start doing some of this stuff countywide eventually, too, because, um, you know, it, it seems that a lot of this, say, progressive organizations or even the Democratic money has kind of given up on building organizations. And I think it's going to take us to do it. Um, so I, to hear you say that so directly from your experience is kind of like is such a breath of fresh air because it's I think validating, a lot of, Kevin, it's validating. It's validating. It's validating. <laughs> it's validating. And it's kind of like, yes, <laughs> because I think a lot of some people who run are afraid to say that um, because, you know, they don't want to like upset the apple cart or something, make people feel uncomfortable. But if the goal is to win and the goal is to kind of stave off, which is, you know, this this is beyond kind of partisan politics. And we're talking about people who are want to ban books, who are kind of lying about basic science, who are kind of telling tales about propaganda, about what's happening in our schools and using, like you said, critical race theory to basically say, no, we're not going to we're not going to talk about any truth that doesn't say America rocks. Nothing was ever wrong and white people rule. Right. I mean, this is just that doesn't prepare our kids. That's not the future that we're in. Right. And that's the worst thing, the worst thing I could possibly have. So so I'm looking and I keep on hearing this now, which is so encouraging to me. And it's ironic because in so many ways I'm the dark cloud in every room and I'm like, (laughs) here's all the problems. But this is the kind of thing that I find so encouraging is that the the organizing on the ground was outstanding. And I really think that, you know, if we keep on, that's where our focus goes, that's where our dollars go, that's where our time goes in building these organizations. I think we've got a real opportunity to really, you know, change the, change the direction of this county. Yes, I I agree with you. And I agree with pretty much everything you said. You know, we, it took us a while to get the help that we received. And I'm talking about like the local building the grassroots, you know, we had pretty much no one really helping us. Um, besides a few key people in the primaries. And then when it came time to the general, there was a lot of health and safety conversations in the school board. And I think more people started paying attention and then they learned about us. (laughs) And so then we had an incredible team just like out of nowhere, you know, they just came, they brought their friends and one after the other one after the other, we had canvassers, we had people who were fundraising, we had social media people out of nowhere. And these were people with, just our neighbors like they weren't you know political strategists anywhere you know we found a lot of a lot of the moms and dads you know one of them was like oh well I work you know as a as a social media strategist I can help you with your social media so like everyone used what they had their expertise for our campaign we and and I have to say and I'm just you know patting ourselves on the back here but like Central Bucks did an incredible job organizing I have to I you know every time all the people that I worked with everybody who helped everybody who volunteered they were we were on point we knew what we were doing and unfortunately we were doing it a little too late I think that's what it was you know once once the national conversation caught up it was too late it was too late yeah it was too late and you know I'm not going to say anything about people who've been doing this forever but I think fresh minds and fresh voices who come to politics 
not jaded by politics yet, right? Not doing like the same thing we've been doing for years and years should be listened to, right? And, and um, you know, I've been paying attention to politics since I was in high school. Um, and just because I never ran doesn't mean I haven't read and, and, and really paid attention to the, the landscape of it all. And I, I could tell what was going on. Just like when Trump was, before Trump was elected, I knew what was going to happen if he were. And, yep. you know, when, when I hear journalists and, and um, talking about how, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Nobody could have predicted this. I'm like, we predicted this. We, we <laughs> right. knew, right? I mean, like, right. we knew what exactly. was going to happen. Exactly. Like, we knew because we didn't have blinders on. Because it was very obvious. Because we read history books. We pay attention, right? Exactly. And so when, when you're, you know, you're here and you're seeing this, like, conversation, like, whispering of CRT and this and that. And, like, you know, on Twitter, you see, like, it's just popping up. Mom, you know, fights with school board. Dad, fights with school board. And you see all these, like, you know, sensational YouTube videos. You know that's yep. not on accident. You know that's on purpose. Anyone who just, like, oh, it's only happening here. It's only happening there. No, it's happening everywhere. And not enough people paid attention to that. Not enough people in power on the Democrat side paid attention to that. And so we ended up losing a lot, you know. And the goal isn't to only win, like you said, against these like moderate Republicans, you know, moderate Republicans have been around forever. This is a brand new, um, I I don't even know what you want to call it, extreme far right. Um, They don't even like most of the moderate Republicans. They, they, They go against their, you know, quote, their own party. So this isn't like your basic Republican. When I say Republicans in my article, I don't mean the normal, like, moderate republicans that we all used to know i mean these like far-right trumpists right that that are infiltrating all the local government because they knew what they had to do in order to win back what they lost in 2020 right and i think it's and their ability to keep on winning is going to increasingly is going to decrease um like with every election, which is going to make it more extreme in terms of what Absolutely. the reaction is going to be. Absolutely. And th- that's the way I look at it. And I, I you know, I, two things is that, you know, you said about like we knew. I remember the, the one of my one of the things that I, I, I kicked myself in the ass most about <laughs> is that I did. I, I, I was 100. I believe that Trump was going to win the election against Hillary um, up until the day before. And I, I, I kicked myself for allowing myself to believe what they said, you know, like the media was saying mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I allowed myself to have that when I should have just trusted my gut. <laughs> right. And I think that exactly what you're saying there. And I think that this is the power of organizing, too, as well. Right. Is that once you, we have an organize like an organization that you start to build is that when we're telling these things, you know, somebody comes in and says, hey, you should be doing this instead. And your gut says, I don't think so. And now you've got all these other folks in the room that are looking at like, yeah, no, 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 we're not buying it. <laughs> we believe that this is we're going to stick to our guns. Either you're on board with us or, you know, hit the high road. And I think that, you know, the ability to start as as, you know, organizers and in kind of these small nascent groups that are kind of really getting together to be able to make demands back instead of having to, um, you know, uh, rely is, is just amazing. So I, that for me is is incredible. And I, I, I look, I, I start from the place where I believe that that's really where, the only place where power comes from. And, and I don't mean power like power over people, but I mean, if we believe in a democracy, 
right? Where, where the majority of people should actually be making decisions, right? Not the money, right. right? Well, then we have to be in a situation where, you know, we're organized and we're exercising those muscles right. and trusting ourselves as a, instead of like a consultant class or people who have just been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and listen, I you know, you you brought up a good point about how, you know, it was never like this before. So a lot of people who were giving us advice, well, this is what we did in 2017. This is what we did in 2018. And we're like, but this isn't this isn't right. this is different. This is completely different. You can't Sorry, thank you for your CV, past, but <laughs> right, you can't use any past strategy, you know? This is this is something completely different. You know, people told me you can't after the smear came out, they're like, you can't say this. You can't say that. You have to be completely quiet. And I'm like, no, I will not be quiet. You know, this isn't the landscape. I'm not a quiet Democrat. Like, sorry, <clears throat> I'm going to be myself. And if I win, I win, I, I lose, I lose. But you can't play a role, right? Like, you, you can't. You totally. have to be yourself in politics. I mean, here, at least on the local level. And that gets people behind you. Right. Exactly. And I think that right there, it should be the baseline understanding of politics is that if you're not going to be authentic in terms of what you're representing, that is going to come across number one to the voters. This is why all this poll tested nonsense is I mean, look, I'm, I'm all for do your polling and things like this to get a lay of a land, but trying to kind of respond to some sort of canned messaging about stuff. People see through that in a, in a snap. And what you said earlier too, as well, you know, I was listening to the, uh, the Mehdi Hassan show this past weekend. He had the, the woman, I'm, I'm, it's this horrible that I'm spacing her name right now. Who's basically behind the 1619 project. Oh, and ha- she, um, Hannah. Hannah yeah. Yes. I, I don't know. I was yeah. literally just talking about her like mm-hmm. a few hours ago. Hannah Jones. I, Yes. Uh, is it Jones? Is it? Is it? Let me. I, well, anyway, I'll, I'll I will put it. I will. I will correct it if it's not. I'll, I'll put it in the notes. But so she was basically said almost exactly what you said before is like by seeding the ground for, for them to talk about CRT and talk about this anti-masking as full of nonsense as it was. Right. That was a huge mistake. Yeah. Nicole Hannah Jones. Yes. There you go. Yep. Amy. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> Um, so Nicole Hannah Jones, um, she was saying exactly this. And I think that we saw that happen in district after district. We say, well, okay, if we, you know, they're talking nonsense about race and they're doing all this kind of racist stuff. So if we just ignore them, we're going to go away. You know, this has been one of the themes of raging chicken that since we started, we started following the kind of the rise of white nationalists that were happening in kind of, in kind of the center parts of the state that were happening in Kutztown by Kutztown and Berks County, where I teach, um, we're, we're following this and everybody was saying us the same exact thing at that point said so just just ignore these folks don't give them a platform like no 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 you have to you have to pay attention to this there is nothing in the historical record that says ignoring them will work if you ignore them and you allow them to organize they get more powerful absolutely that's exactly what happened ignoring doesn't work not here ignoring doesn't work <clears throat> no. no you know i've got this uh i should here i pull it down from my thing i've got this uh I don't know if you ever saw this little, I'll show it up for folks. It's uh, this Karl Popper meme, uh-uh. right? And it basically, he's, basically it says that it's the paradox of tolerance. And it basically says, well, you know, there's a certain, certain point where there's certain people you can't tolerate, right? You can't tolerate Nazis. Right. You can't tolerate racists. You can't tolerate people that wish to, to kind of remove the rights of women. Right? Right. You cannot. These are people who are outside of the civic, you know, kind of like uh, agreement, and that's the irony and that's the paradox in order to kind of like preserve say, a multicultural tolerant kind of democratic culture you have to exclude those folks who would use their own power to kind of wipe everyone else's away right 
right? So if you ignore them, they just become stronger. They prefer that you ignore them. So you're not paying attention to what they're building. And by the time you start paying attention, it may be too late, it, which as 100%. we saw many times through the last couple or several years, that if we ignore it, it will be too late. 100%. Well, we're coming up on time now. I've already kept you over when I was there, but uh, I mean, thank you so much for all that, you know, got all that you did, all that you do, all that you said here tonight. Uh, and I will put links to your, uh, your, um, your piece. Um, Central Bucks is not okay um, in the show notes. Um, and I encourage everyone that, uh, you know, to read that and to continue the organizing, um, to continue the work on the ground and to know that, you know, as much as there's a discourse that kind of came out after the elections that wanted to say, well, you know, that we're, we're defeated and all this stuff, it's not true is that that we have such incredible assets right um kind of at, at our like at our fingertips and in our communities and with the relationships that we build so um, i can't wait to see uh where things go next um and you know look uh if i start seeing seeing your name not necessarily on ballots i understand but kind of associated with any kind of organizing efforts i might just be uh giving you a call again to yeah, <laughs> back on i'd love so to have much. you yeah you'll probably be seeing a lot of me so <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's what I was hoping to hear. Uh, fantastic. Well, listen. Anything else that you want to kind of close out with? You want to leave folks with um, before we uh, before we take off and say goodnight? Sure. I, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of Democrats, after Biden won, kind of said, "Up, oh, our job here is done," and and they went back to uh, being quote unquote sleeping Dems. But that is the most absolutely the wrong thing you can do. Like it, it's, we have to wake up <laughs> because. Our country right now is under fire. And just because Joe Biden won means really nothing because all that did is just embolden the other side. And we have to wake up and we have to keep fighting because literally our children's lives are at stake. And that's all. We have to do that. So I appreciate you having me on, Kevin. Oh, I'm so glad to have you on. And uh, there's your marching orders, everybody, right there. Fight. Fight for kids, really. Got it. 100%. 100%. Well, thank you, Diana, so much for being on the show tonight. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in and watching it. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back on the other side of the break with some closing thoughts. Um, Any additional comments or questions or calls that you want to have in tonight, um, you can feel free. You can join by uh, kind of hitting on that riverside.fm link that's in the show notes on on our YouTube channel. Remember that if you do join for that and you want to call in, you got something to say, Make sure you turn down the volume on your YouTube, um, and otherwise you're going to get the feedback. Just like a radio show, you would call in, you're going to get echoing and all that nonsense. You don't want that. I don't want that. So if you're calling through uh, Riverside, make sure you kind of uh, shut off the volume and mute your YouTube. Um, And also closing comments. And uh, look, this has been, uh, I hope for everybody, an incredibly encouraging night. Um, And thank you again, Diana, for being on the show. And uh, I wish you all the best and look forward to talking for the uh, next round of organizing. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Bye. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. All right. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. We'll be back right after this quick break with uh, some more. Well, wait up to this. I do this every single week. I do this with this. I mess up the music, don't I? Yes, I do. Well, we'll be right back after this quick break. I'll remind you that you can help support the show by going to patreon.com slash RC Press today. We'll see you back in a minute. There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call.
Hey everybody, welcome back for the little after show. The uh, oh god, I had a list of all the names that people were suggesting last week uh, for what we should call um, this segment, uh, the after live, the le- afterlife. Maybe we'll call it. I don't know what we're going to call it, but I don't know about you, but that was one of the most encouraging conversations I have had um, in a long time. Um, I, uh, you know, I've been following her. I followed her campaign. Um, I followed and you've been reading her stuff now for, uh, for a bit. And it's just, you know, she's just a kind of, an out, whatever, outstanding human being, right? She's an amazing candidate. Great kind of say, you know, organizer, great candidate. Um, and like her analysis there, I think it's just spot on. Right. I mean, that building that power from the ground up is kind of where we need to be. And building an organization from the grassroots um, so that we can kind of check each other and check in with each other about what we know is going on and not to rely upon, you know, people who've been doing this for a long time um, to dictate the terms of our candidacy. Um, You know, I think Diana is absolutely right. We are in a um, I mean, not that I need to tell you that, um, but the we are in a historically different period than we were in even like a, you know, five years ago, even 10 years ago. Um, the only thing I'll add to as well is that, you know, this is something that has been uh, kind of growing for a while. Um, and this is, you know, you've heard me the past few weeks, just kind of railing on this kind of celebrity. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I mean, this, this celebrity worship, discourse or ideology or, or, or practice, or I think on habitus, right? This guy, Pierre Boudou, who goes, you know, talks about habitus as these kind of collections of practices and rituals. And, and that seems to be, has so, so infected our culture and it infects our politics. Um, what Diana had said there too, as well as, you know, people had thought it's okay. We elected Biden. Good. All right. You know, we did our job. We can go home now. Nope. Um, Biden's not going to do it. Right. Um, I remember some of the early days of Raging Chicken. One of the things that, um, you know, I even said is, you know, there's the, 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 the man on the white horse is not coming. Right. Um, you know, to use that discourse uh, at another point in around uh, some union organizing and some uh, other kind of efforts. We hope that the leaders were going to take care of something. I did an article on the graphic for it was like, a you know, an upside down comic unicorn with its X eyes out and say the unicorn is dead. Right. You know, the idea is that. You know, this the one kind of savior is not going to come down is going to help us out. We have the power in our hands, you know, and I and this is really my hope moving forward is that we build on those, you know, on that organizing and we find, you know, even more people. Because, look, as awesome as Diana is, um, there's even more people out there who have, you know, maybe not the exact same degree of awesomeness as a candidate, right, as a thinker, as a teacher, um, but having different sets of skills that are equally as awesome in building an organization, right? So building our capacity, right, not putting all our eggs in one basket, but building all of our capacity is where we need to be, I think, right? Um, Because, you know, what I saw here in Penridge, like in the Penridge School District, was, yes, there were awesome candidates. There were awesome school board candidates. And they did exactly what Diana was saying is like, you know, they they were on point. They had, you know, they were doing everything that you need to do as an org, like um, to organize around kind of winning elections. Right. And uh, just phenomenal. Um, 
but you know, again, it's an uphill battle. I think even more so in the Penridge School District than it is in Central Bucks, just given the kind of you know the political constituency and the dominance of kind of Republicans in the in the area. But you know, I think I you know there's definitely overlaps there. But anyways, my point being is that you have these awesome folks, and then what made you know the candidates get their power right? Candidates can get their power from from two places, right? Um, one, they can get their power from money. Or they get their power from people. And what was happening in so many of these school board elections is the power was coming from people. The money was on the other side, right? The money was on the kind of the right wing conspiracy theory propaganda side, right? And that's something we got to, you know, critically think and kind of engage with and strategize about how we actually kind of get past that. And, I, you know, my belief is to, is to increase the power on our side where our constituents are, where our power base is, and that's with with each other, right? In numbers and organizing and door knocking, everything you need to be. Yes, it is hard to compete when you've got someone who's dropping tens of thousands of dollars into local school board elections, right? And, you know, what you have is a, you know, a, a group of friends, right? Um, and a lot of will. Um, and, you know, you do the door knocking, you do that work. Um, that's still hard to combat that money. Right. But we have it in our grasp right now, I think, really to turn the tables here in Bucks County. Right. Um, you know, the PA one, it, it can be a different place. And I think we just have to continue to remind ourselves that the, the where the power is, is with us and with these organized these these organizers who emerge out of these school board races. Right. Um, I was saying to Diana, too, as well, is like, you know, this is, you know, you know um, um, before the show and kind of at a quick break there is that, you know, I look forward to, you know, having more organizers on the show. I mean, I, I cannot wait to see who emerges out of, um, uh, you know, these different organizations, what organizations emerge out of what we saw in the um, uh, the school board elections. You know, in some cases, you know, it will be kind of rejuvenated local uh, Democratic kind of clubs or Democratic Party, you know, groupings. Um, in other cases, it's going to be, um, you know, kind of adjacent organizations, right, that may not be just Democratic Party, right, but they might be what we see in so many other kind of areas where we see coalitions of, you know, civil rights organizations and women's groups and kind of the DSA and, you know, indivisible, um, these kind of like, you know, constituency power organizations um, that are making demands upon the kind of candidates that we need to see. You know, I had some uh, before the show, I was uh, checking out our discord and um, I wish I still had it up. I would, I would read it to you now. Um, but there was a conversation that was going back and forth on a discord about, you um, uh, about the candidates that are running in the PA one and uh, what people thought about them. And this is for, I'm sorry, I should be more clear about this, that, that we're um, running for, uh, for Congress, right. Against Fitzpatrick. And um, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of frustration. Let's put it like that. Right. Is that um, there's a lot of frustration that the, you, there's this gap, right? The gap is between the kind of candidate that we need and want and the kind of candidate that we're getting, right? And I want to be very, very clear that it's not meant at all as a knock against any of the candidates yet. I don't think we've really seen 
like that campaign really get going before we can make any of those kinds of judgments. Right. I, you know, I, I will accept at this point that the candidates that are um, that have declared so far to run against Fitzpatrick on the Democratic side of the ticket um, are doing so for the right reasons and they want to win. And, um, you know, they're building organizations. I know um, uh, Ashley Ahas, I think I got her last name right. Um, you know, I know that she spent a good amount of time this summer kind of doing door knocking and, and door knocking for other candidates who are running for school board and things like this, who are running for county seats and things like this. And that's all that's that's all really good stuff. Right. Um, and there's that kind of acknowledgement. Right. Um, at the same time, we also know that, you know, that this is a similar pattern that we saw in, in the candidates that have declared so far is that, you know, they're they're not people that cut their teeth on organizing in our communities, right? They're people that have really good credentials and maybe they may turn out to be outstanding candidates. We shall see, right? But there's that disconnect between the organization, the constituency base, right? And the, the kind of candidates that the Democratic Party in, the, in Bucks County are choosing. And I know, I know, I know, I've been told this multiple times about, well, look, if you're going to have any kind of decent candidate, you know, a candidate's got to be able to raise so on in millions of dollars in order to win in, in Bucks County. To some degree, um, there's there's some truth about the need to raise money for that. But I also think that is a talking point from consultants, Democratic Party consultants who see things through the lens of money. Right. Look, there is no doubt that that Fitzpatrick is is a formidable candidate. Right. He's a good politician. I disagree with him. But as a politician. Right. He is good at what he does and he's got lots of money. Right. So when people see money, a lot of what happens in Democratic Party politics. Right. Especially when you start getting with the consultant class and the pollsters and all this stuff, what they start doing is they start just wanting to do dollar for dollar. And they start looking for candidates who they think, based upon their experience and their profession, right, can raise the money to meet the same money as Fitzpatrick. Right. That's a problem. Right. It's a problem because the money is not with us. The money is elsewhere. And that will only reinforce that dynamic, that will only reinforce that disconnect and that gap between the work that we're doing on the ground and, and the candidates that kind of get to represent us. Now, we might win an election, right? Okay, that's great. But that doesn't mean that we get the kind of candidates that we need. So this is a, the story, what you, said, what you heard uh, Diana Lagerman talk about tonight is like, this, I think, the story of Bucks County, too, as well. I mean, you saw the lengths to which and, you know, again, you got to read her piece because you, the lengths to which Paul Martino roll, and his kind of cronies, the lengths that they went to attack her. Right. And, and try to smear her. Gave, they didn't give a shit about the impact upon her, upon her family, upon the school board. They just wanted to win. Right. That should be. That's the case in point of what they will do, what the Republican Party in this county, in this state will do. That's who they are. They've shown us who they are. Let's believe them. They said, hi, this is me. Look at what I just did. We should say we acknowledge that <laughs> that's who you are. Therefore, we're going <laughs> we're gonna to meet it, right? That's how we're going to organize. We're not going to organize to that. Just, oh, you know, 
we look for the modern blah blah blah. No, no. You know, we need to talk about this tonight, too. So, but you look at increasingly what's happening in the Republican Party with the former kind of moderates in the Republican Party. You've got, I mean, depending on what we're talking about is like, you know, there's majorities in the Republican Party, both within this county, within this state and across the country. Right. Who buy into the big lie about the election. Who buy into the kind of like, you know, COVID is being overblown for political purposes. Right. Masks are an attempt to control us. By, I mean, it's crazy. So as much as like there are some Republicans who want to hold on that mantle of, yes, we're there are moderates out there. You're, you're a dwindling breed, folks. You no longer control the reins of your own party. You've been hollowed out. The irony of that, of course, is that, you know, these are the people that, you know, during the Red Scare, they're always going to say, yeah, the socialists are going to come and burrow into our institution. They're going to take us over from within. That's what's happening in their party. <laughs> right? You have these off-the-wall right-wing extremists in their party with lots of money who have been building the organizing on the ground and are, are just as willing to cut all of those folks down than they are anything else. That's why we see, you know, this, this, what we have people keep on calling a crisis of the Republican Party. So, no, it's just a transformation. And most of the Republicans in elected office have gone along with it. And now they're doubling down with it. So, we have to be prepared for that. Right. As much as when we're talking about a school board election, we'd like to be able to say, hey, we don't, this shouldn't be partisan stuff. We should be thinking about candidates who are going to be highly qualified. They're going to be able to do the best for our kids in our schools. That's what we should be doing. But that's not where we are. We can't let our desires for what we wish would be cloud our vision for what is now. And we are in the is. Right? We need to be in the moment. In its messiness, in its discomfort. And as, you know, Diana said, is like we are in a point of real crisis in this country if we don't stop this and push this back. The good news, of course, is, as you heard it here, the organizing was amazing. And I have, you know, uncharacteristically, these school boards, the organization that went around these school board elections in Bucks County has made me optimistic about directions that we're going. I, and, I, and I say that knowing full well the, the hill is steep. Right. That this is not a, you know, throw it in neutral. I mean, this is the, this is the hike up the mountain here. Um, but I think we could do it together. So anyways, uh, thank you all for tuning in tonight. Um, I, I didn't mention this at the top of the show. Um, I, I just kind of forgot to mention this at the top of the show. Um, I wish I had mentioned it at the top of the show. So next week, um, at, um, it's probably gonna get released a little bit earlier, but next week we're going to have, uh, uh, Christopher Rodkey on the show. Uh, Christopher, uh, uh, Chris is a, he's a UCC pastor in, uh, Dallas town PA out in kind of the, the York area. And, uh, he's recently declared his candidacy. Um, he's going to be, he's going to be running state representative out there. And, um, he is, he is someone that I've say connected with for a while now. Right. I've been following his work. Um, he's in many ways. Look, I, I've said this on the show before. I've, I've, I grew up Catholic. Right. And I was I grew up Catholic as someone who was who was moved by the stories of 
people standing up for the least among us, right? And then sure, that had everything to do with the fact that, you know, my 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 younger years, like my my parents split up when I was five, right? In part because, you know, not just only, but I mean, it's, you know, everybody's got their complicated story. But also my sister was, um, she became um, um, kind of mentally impaired, mentally handicapped as a result of the um, MMR shot and then some um, um, medical malpractice and so on, which, which was you know, was, was a huge strain. And so we had this, you know, my, 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 my sister, um, was perfectly fine when she was born. I had a huge reaction against it, uh, with the shot too as well. And she had it even worse than I did. And then she went from being kind of, you know, a kid that was healthy and strong, um, to, you know, a little baby that was like, you know, practically comatose. Right. And, you know, to this day, that's something that that's impacted everything in kind of my family. And. Um, and I felt that we were immediately, you know, pretty quickly cast into poverty. If it hadn't been for my 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 dad's union job, um, we wouldn't have had health insurance. Um, but that, that was the, the saving grace um, that, you know, we were able to stay on his health insurance. Um. So when I was when I would go to church, you know, and I would go to church, and I would, um, unlike a lot of Catholics, <laughs> as I've grown to know, I would sit and I would read, you know, the the sermons along with the thing. I would follow along the stuff, and I would take the stuff in, and what always came out to me, what you know, where where I found my points of connection was in that, you know, the people that you look to to fight with, are the least among you. Right. That what you do to the least, the least among us. So you do unto me. Right. That whole idea. That we're we're kind of judged. Right. By. Or, or let me put it in different in non-religious terms, like we're kind of like our moral compass is this is determined. By how we act to those the least among us. Right. And that whole idea, you know, I know motivates lots and lots of folks out there. And so anyways, this goes back to Christopher Rodkey. Well, Chris, you know, his, you know, his ministry and, you know, and his activism and all stuff always, you know, stuck out to me as like one of these folks. I mean, there's lots of people out there, but I've wanted to have him on the show for a while to talk a little about those, you know, that religion and politics, especially when we see, you know, this rising of this religious discourse in the service of white supremacy, the rising of religious discourse in the service of hate, right, of racism, right, of sexism, right, of the, uh, of the you know, the subordination of women um, through legislation. I mean, when religion gets mobilized in that way, I think the, it can be a very strong or the tendency can be to can therefore throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Right. And for, you know, you don't have to agree with me on this one, but for, for my money, that kind of ethical discourse that comes out of many religions, right. If not most religions um, is one of the discourses that provides us with tools for tools and language and discourse for how to think about justice and hope and love and caring a community. All right. Now, I don't 
I don't see myself as someone, you know, now I'm not someone who's per se particularly religious per se. Right. Um, but I know the meaning that that discourse had for me in shaping of my political fortunes, right. And my political future and how I looked at the world. And so that's something that, you know, um, Chris and I are going to talk a little bit about. We're going to also talk a little bit about his campaign. So my point of kind of this kind of lengthy um, closing to the show was and kind of introduction to his for next week is that we, we had some conflicts for the I had I should say I had a conflict for next Monday that kind of came up um, after we had book we had a book the time. And I really wanted that wanted to have that show and make sure that that we got it because in part because you know it's the week it's like it's like you know the lead up to Christmas it's in the middle of the you know it's a it's a holiday season it seemed like a really good time to have that conversation so what we're going to do is we're going to pre record the show on on Thursday and then we'll release it to everybody on. Um, on Monday, um, for our patrons, we're probably going to, I'll probably release it to our patrons a little bit early. Um, so you'll have an opportunity to check out the show. Um, you know, I might even do a live stream, um, a live stream with the show, um, to our patron page and then release, um, next Monday for out to coop live, um, for everybody. Um, we release the show and our podcast and our YouTube channel and all that. Um, so look, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So do check that out. Um, anyways, that's what I got for tonight, everybody. Uh, thank you, Emily. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, thank you, Shireen. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Penelope, even though Penelope looks more like a uh, bot. But <laughs> but uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for sticking with us. And thank you all for your support. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. We remind you, you can help support this show. You can help support all we do at Raging Chicken by going on to patreon.com slash rcpress. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Thank you all for tuning in tonight, everybody. Uh, we'll see you later in the week and again next week. Hope you're doing well. Keep up the fight. See ya!